What is up, everybody? Spencer Sutton here with you for another episode of Porn in the Gospel. Great to be with you here this Saturday morning. And just a quick announcement, if you haven't already and you want to sign up for the free course that I put together, it's five steps to be done with porn and it's free. You can find it at naturalpornkiller.com. I'd encourage you go sign up if you want to do that. The lessons you you will once you sign up, you'll get week one for right away, and then the rest of it will be dripped to you week by week. And this is really for the man, the brother in Christ, who uh, I would say is like really committed to finding freedom. And what I mean by that is it takes a commitment to go through all of the course material because there's not only not only are you um, watching videos and learning, but you also have homework, things that you have to do. So what I what I know about men is that information without uh, application and information without implementation is just another form of sedation, right? So. Uh, to be honest with you, we could listen to this podcast or you could listen to this podcast and just sedate with this and think that you're doing something and think that it's like, hey, this is this is what I need. And uh, I'm not saying that it's not because what I hope that you get from this podcast is not a, you know Spencer's voice, but I hope that you get really uh, heavy doses of the word of God that uh, encourage you to go and seek out uh, his grace in the word yourself. That's first and foremost what I what I hope you get. And then uh, really just a resolve to do so. And uh, so at the end of the day, you can hear a lot, you can learn a lot, but if you're not implementing it into your life, then you're making yourself feel good, but it's not really achieving anything. So I want to encourage you, don't do that. If you want to sign up, go do it. It's free again, but um, always, 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 we want to be putting into practice, right? We don't want to be hearers of the word only. We want to be doers of the word. And so my encouragement through this podcast and through anything I hope that I say and when I speak to groups or when I, um, or when you listen to me on the podcast, I just want you to hear like, yes, the gospel, we need to hear the gospel. We need to soak it in. We need to drink it, but then this changes our lives so that we are walking differently. So I want to kick off with a story that I read recently about, and it's a true story about this um, 14th century Duke in Belgium, what's now known as Belgium. Uh, his name was Reynald III. And this was something that everybody knew about this guy. And that was that he was really, really, really overweight. Like he was way overweight. Okay. So he, he was, we would consider him obese and his Latin nickname was Crassus, which means fat. Like, so that's, that's how far, like this, everybody knew that this guy was overweight. So, and this plays into the story. So Reynold's younger brother, Edward, revolted against Reynold's rule. And so Edward captured his brother, but he didn't kill him. Instead, he built a room around him 
in this castle and he promised him. So he built this room and he promised him that he could regain his title and property when he left the room. Like now this wouldn't have been difficult for most people since the room had, uh, it had several windows and it had a door that was like a normal size door and none of them were barred or locked. That This is the crazy thing. So he built this room around him and it was just, Hey, normal size windows, normal size doors. And he's like, Hey, his brother said, Edward said, Hey, Reynold, as soon as you get out of here, you can absolutely have your title back and have your uh, lands and everything else. The problem was, is that he was so overweight that he, like he couldn't get out of the door or the windows the way he was. And so what was going to have to happen was he was going to have to lose weight to gain his freedom. And so Edward knew this. And so each day he sent a variety of food, like delicious food, sweets, things like that into the room. And so instead of dieting his way out of prison, Reynold grew fatter. And as a matter of fact, Duke Edward was accused of cruelty, but this is what he replied. He said, my brother is not a prisoner. He may leave when he so wills. And the rest of the story is, is that Reynolds stayed in his room for 10 years and he wasn't released until after Edward died in battle. And by this time, his health was so ruined that it says, they said in the story that uh, he died within a year. Think about that. And when I read that story, I started thinking about how your flesh, my flesh, has certain appetites, like deep desires for sin. And when we are going to pornography, we are feeding that appetite. We are feeding our flesh. And so what happens? The more that we do it, the less likely we can leave our prison. And the truth is, if you're a follower of Christ, if you're a believer in Christ, you are free. Like Christ set you free. However, you are staying trapped in prison, in the prison prison of your own fleshly desires with no door, no windows, but you're in prison sitting there. And it just made me think of Romans 13, 13 through 14. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but let us put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. And brothers, when we are gratifying the desires of the flesh, we are, we are, trapped in prison and we can't walk out even though Christ has by the power of the cross given us this ability for great freedom. So let's let's open up the word. Let's open up the word. We're going to be in Psalm 119. Let's open up the word and see what God has to say to us so that we can find freedom so that you and I can continue to walk in freedom. And listen, when I'm talking to you, 
I am talking to myself as well. I am not sitting here thinking that I have this whole thing figured out just because I'm walking in purity. Like my flesh still has appetites, still has appetites. If you want to, if you want a good dose of humility, go read the book by uh, Jerry Bridges called Respectable Sins. (laughs) That one, that one uh, has hammered me. So my flesh still has desires. It just, it, it hides itself in different ways. And so the life of a believer, the life of a Christian is constant sanctification, like continual sanctification. We are never going to stop. We are never going to be done and sit there and say, oh, I'm, I'm done. I've rested. No, you and I are on a journey. And this journey is not over until we are with the Lord. And so we must keep walking. We must keep on mission like day after day. So let's look at Psalm 119, 25 through 28. It's the first part we're going to look at. This is what it says. It says, my soul clings to the dust. Give me life according to your word. When I told of my ways, you answered me. Teach me your statutes. Verse 27, make me understand the way of your precepts, and I will meditate on your wondrous works. 28, my soul melts away for sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. So here is the psalmist, and he says his soul clings to the dust and melts away from sorrow. And so is the life of a man of God. Like, we recognize our own mortality. We recognize our sinfulness and our sorrow here on earth. But yet he longs for something his spirit knows is real life. So he says, so even though he says my soul clings to dust, that's his mortality, and my soul melts away for sorrow. So in this world, he has sorrow, he has pain, he has persecution. Even though he says these things, so he prays. What does he say? He says, give me life, teach me, make me understand, strengthen me. And all of this, according to God's true spiritual life found in his word. Spurgeon had some comments about these verses, and I love uh, a couple of these that I'll just read. He says, justified people always long to be sanctified. And I think if you're like, if you're listening to this podcast and you're here listening to this podcast because you found it uh, searching for some way to be done with pornography, and and you're justified like you're you have something in you that desires to change and that is the spirit of god if you're a follower of christ you have the spirit of god who desires to be changed now you may come with a motive of getting out of trouble you may come with a motive of hey i just want to stop the shame like this pit of shame that i keep falling into it's it's out of control. Like my habits, my pornography addiction is out of control. I can't stop it. What can I do? And so you're seeking, but the spirit in you is longing to be sanctified, is longing to be changed. And the great thing is, even when we're done with pornography, even when we're walking in freedom, like the closer we get to God, the more we desire to be sanctified. And not just to not to avoid shame, but but because we find delight in him. 
And Spurgeon says this, he says, our confession. So verse 26, he says, when I told of my ways, like this is confession, when I told of my ways. So brother, you have to tell somebody about your ways. You can't keep it in and expect to make much progress. He says, when I, and, and at the very least, you need to be telling God. And so Spurgeon says, our confessions are not meant to make God know our sins, but to make us know them. And so when you sin and you keep silent, you are not growing. You are drifting further and further and further away. But godly sorrow will produce confession. And brother, I, I just want to encourage you, if you don't have anybody to share with, you can share with me. Email me, spencer at naturalpornkiller.com. I'll correspond with you. I will, I will write you back if you don't have anybody, but I think you probably do. What keeps men silent is a fear, a fear that if I share this issue, I'm not going to be accepted. Nobody truly will accept me for who I am. And, and that's just a lie. That's just a lie. Do you have a hunger and a thirst after the word, the ways, and the will of God? Like, honestly answer that question to yourself. And if you do, then I would say that is, a, that is more than a majority of men today. It's the secret ingredient to your sanctification. Because if you truly have a hunger and a thirst and a desire to follow the will and the ways of the Lord, then guess what? You will be praying about that. And I fear that a lot of us don't pray that because we're scared of how God's going to answer it. But this just means we don't have the right knowledge of who God is. Like we don't know him well enough. We don't believe that he is a good and gracious father and that whatever he brings into our life is meant for our good and his glory. Like we have to believe this. And this is a story we have to tell ourselves over and over and over again, which is why we have to come back to the word over and over and over again. Like you and I are assaulted every single day with stories from the world. And if we're not like digging into the word, then we're going to be swayed and conformed to the ways of the world. It's just that simple. That's just the way it's going to be. So let's keep going. Verse 29. The psalmist says, and by the way, the psalmist, like David, I mean, uh, Spurgeon believes this is David who wrote Psalm 119. I, I don't, I don't really know. I hadn't like gone in and studied all that, but he, he has a book he wrote. Uh, I want to say it's called the golden alphabet is the name of the book that Spurgeon wrote. And he talks like he intros the whole book talking about why he believes David wrote the, the Psalm and it. And uh, obviously we know David <laughs> loved the Lord, loved the word of God. And we see that in other Psalms that he wrote. And so it makes a lot of sense. So when I say the sometimes I may say David said this or the psalmist said this. So I'm interchanging those just because I'm just kind of going off whatever uh, Spurgeon said there. But verse 29, put false ways far from me and graciously teach me your word. I have chosen the way of faithfulness. 
I set your rules before me. So here we have a prayer for the Lord to both remove something and give something. Because the like lies and God's law cannot abide in peace together. And if we refuse to live in and lean on and learn from the word, lies will fill the space meant for the spirit. Okay, listen to this again. This is this is what I have found to be true. If we refuse, so if we're not actively seeking and doing these things, if we refuse to live in, lean on, and learn from the word, then lies will fill the space meant for the Spirit. And we can be sure that peace and joy will not be the result. So this prayer is a is a fantastic way to begin walking the path of peace, peace and joy. So he prays, Lord, put false ways far from me and graciously teach me your law. Like we have a divine teacher who who wrote the book and so you don't need to come to spencer to teach you the book you need to learn you need to have your powers of discernment trained and sharpened so that you can go directly to the one who wrote it the author and say teach me your word like he prays for the Lord in grace to teach him. And now he turns to his own responsibility. Right? So he says, like, put false ways far from me, from me, graciously teach me your law. And then verse 30, I have chosen the way of faithfulness. I set your rules before me. If if he truly wants to be taught the word, like if you truly want to be taught the word, then you're going to have to choose to make it your priority. I have chosen, I set. And so what happens is that lies and the way of the world, they blind us sometimes to the reality that we reap what we sow and we become what we behold. Our life is ultimately what we focus on. And so when you're examining your own life, like you could even take a journal and write it down and say, how much time do I spend doing um, like leisure activities, whatever that is? How much time do I spend watching TV? How much time do I spend you know, scrolling on social media, which you can find all that on your phone if you have an iPhone? I don't know how Android does that. Um how much time do I spend working? How much time do I spend uh, sleeping? Like you could literally break down your day. Like I was just talking uh, to a guy at work the other day. We were, we were talking about one of our core values at the office is embrace the grind. And it just means that our business is very, very hard. And so we have to work very hard. And so I was just asking him, like, what do you think this means? Like to you, what does it mean? And, and for everybody, it looks differently. So he actually, he literally walked through his entire day and he came up with the fact that, you know, he worked probably 50 hours a week. And then I walked through my day, but just even the process of doing that was great because it allowed me to write down all the things that I do. And so I've done this before, and I can't remember if I've shared it on the podcast, like my perfect day or my perfect morning, we're going to reap what we sow. And if you're not giving any time 
and saying, Lord, teach me your ways, like put falsehood, put lies far from me and teach me your way. And then if you're not saying after that, like if that's just a passing prayer that is like just coming off of your lips and then moving on, and you're not saying I've chosen and I've set, like I'm going to choose today to set the Lord's word before me. I'm going to choose today to stop and spend 30 minutes reading the word and praying through the word. I just, I just think that if we're not doing that, then we're probably not growing. And so this is what Spurgeon says, which is so true. He says, people don't drop in the right way by chance. They must choose it and continue to choose it, or they will soon wander from it. People do not become holy by a careless wish. There must be study, consideration, deliberation, and earnest inquiry. The commands of God must be set before us as the mark to aim at, the model to work by, the road to walk in. If we put God's judgments into the background, we will soon find ourselves departing from them. Brothers, is that not a word for us? So verse 29 is a prayer and verse 30 is a resolve. A prayer like this followed by no resolve and no definite action is what I like to call a fantasy. You're living a fantasy life. And it reveals, it reveals like when we're doing this, when we're praying for God to help us with our pornography addiction, our pornography issue our pornography problem and yet there's zero resolve to change the way that we're living to change the way how much time we're spending with the lord if we're praying for god to help us and there's no resolve after it what that proves is that we probably like we probably want to be thought of as holy without the duties of a holy life praying like this is is really just if you look at it, it's just a, a way to make yourself feel better. Like it feels good, but it produces nothing in the end. And so David or the psalmist continues, verse 31, I cling to your testimonies, O Lord. Let me not be put to shame. I will run in the ways of your commandment commandments when you enlarge my heart. So Verse 31, I, I cling to your testimonies, O Lord, let me not be put to shame. So what does clinging to God's testimonies look like? When I think or picture of clinging to something, it's having a death grip on it. Like I will not let, let go. I must not let go. So it's very much different than drifting away. When I drift away, it's because I'm not anchored in the truth. I'm not clinging to God's word. So the psalmist knows here the only way that he's going to walk in the righteous way, the only way he's going to enjoy a life without shame is if he's clinging to God's testimony. And and really, probably a lot of this in your life, a lot of this in your life, a lot of the way you view the word of God or the the relevance in it in in your life, the relevance of the Word of God in your life is probably how your parents taught you or didn't teach you about it. And so I, I'm I think I have an advantage here. And my the advantage is that 
like my father and my mother modeled what it was to cling to the word of God. They're not perfect. They were not perfect parents. Nobody is, but they modeled like turning to the Lord all the time. I'd wake up and I'd see my dad. If he was at home and he wasn't at the hospital, I would see him reading the word, studying the word. He's retired now. What does he do? A lot of it is reading and studying the word and teaching others, even at 82 years old. And so like, this is the man I want to become. I'm not there yet. I want to continue growing in the knowledge of the Lord. I want to be able to handle the word of God uh, truthfully, like honestly, and and do it in a way that honors the Lord, because I know that those who teach uh, should definitely pay attention to what they're teaching. And there are times when I can promise you my teaching was not lining up with my life. And if that's you, I just want to warn you, brother, that's not it's not a good combination. I've lived that life. It's not, it will not end well. Living a life, struggling with porn, keeping it secret, and then pretending to go out and teach the word to youth or teach the word to somebody else. Man, this is just not, it's not a good combo. Spurgeon says this, if we are not true to our profession, we may be left to reap the fruit of our folly, and that will be a bitter thing called shame. A believer never, a believer ought never to be ashamed, but act the part of a brave person who has done nothing to be ashamed of in believing God. Like if I'm diligent, if you and I are diligent in clinging to God's word, then he's going to ensure that our grip doesn't fail and we will have nothing to feel shame about. Like my shame is heightened. My shame is heightened when I'm not safe and secure in God's estimate of me, my sonship of my standing with him. But when I'm safe and secure and without shame, I see things as they are in light of eternity. I've been talking with a brother here recently, and he struggling with a lot of shame. And so what this shame has done is it's kept him silent. He hasn't been telling people. He hasn't been confessing to people about his pornography problem. And so just recently, you know, this has ramifications, right? We become what we, we behold. And so he was growing distant from his wife distant from his wife and she started noticing something. So what did she do? She went and grabbed his phone and she started like looking at his searches and all this stuff. And she found some stuff that he was not proud of stuff that he thought he got rid of. And so she went down a rabbit hole and she started looking at more and more stuff and asking him more and more and more questions. And he was just like, I had to, had to come clean. Like I had to tell her everything. And then she went and found something from 2020, May of 2020. And in his mind, what the way he was telling me, he was like, man, this was all the way back in 2020. And what, you know, wasn't that big of a deal or, or, or it was so long ago. And I was like, yeah, but what you don't understand is when your wife finds that today, it happened today. Like those wounds are fresh today. And so we're reaping what we're sowing, even if we sowed it back in 2020, we'll reap it today. And so 
he and I were just talking about it and he said, Hey, I just need to talk to you more often. I need to like, we need to connect more often. And I was like, great, man, let's do it. And so he and I have been talking probably three or four times a week, just early in the morning. We'll chat. And, uh, he was, he was telling me the other day, he was like, man, probably the biggest thing that's helped me is just being able to talk about it. And so sin brings shame that leads to our silence a lot of times, right? And we think our secrets keep us safe, but they actually keep us sick. And so you can be saved and still be a slave. I've, I had a podcast about that, and and I believe that's true. Like even thinking back to this story that I began with, with Edward and his brother and how he was free, but not really free. He was a prisoner of his own appetites. Like shame is a burden that keeps us from running our race. And isn't that what Satan wants? Like burdened and shamed filled Christians. Like, Lord, Lord God, we're praying, like, keep us by your grace. Like keep, keep us close to you as we exercise our own strength and will to follow you. Like when, when we are without shame and feel the Lord holding us close to him, like we have this desire to obey. And our desire to run the race is strong. And when we're running our race without shame, then what happens is we have more of a hunger more of a desire for holiness and obedience than we have today. Like I'll have, like if we're continuing to run the race without shame, are we perfect? No, we're never going to be perfect. We're never going to be without sin. That's why we have to keep coming back to the truth and stop believing the lies and stop hiding. Men, if there's one thing I want you to do, it's stop hiding. Wake up. When we're hiding, we're asleep. And scripture is full of warnings to wake up. I can promise you the man with nothing to hide is the most powerful and the most joyful man in the room. And that's what we want. All right, brothers. I hope you all have a fantastic week and I'll be back soon, relatively soon, with another episode of Porn in the Gospel.